0: An engineer by trade, a sci-fi lover, ever since he can remember, Crane Whitmore imagines Earth in the aftermath of nuclear war and takes us to galaxies beyond our wildest imaginations as we follow the chosen few humans who remain in his book, Star Crew, Battle of Noctu. When'd you start writing?
1: Uh, I started writing probably in my mid-20s. I'm mid-40s now um what motivated me to start writing was a teacher actually in high school I was a little bit a troubled kid and um I'd written a paper and it was full of vulgarity and things like that so she pulled me outside and um she uh had a talk with me and 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 that talk just sort of stuck and and it always stuck with me and um so in my mid-20s I just sat down at a computer and started writing a book and that book's finished it's not published um but uh you know probably 10 years went past and star crew uh i started probably six years ago um and because my job's pretty demanding it was just kind of like right here and there you know on the weekends when i had free time or or in the evenings and Kind of most most authors' stories is similar to that. So just kind of trying to squeeze it in when, when I could.
0: Yeah, but some people are way busier than others. When I talk to like uh, ER nurses yeah. you know, who work like round the clock, you know, and I talk to people like you, I'm like, man, you must really be inspired to spend your free time Wrapping your head around a book, was there anything in particular that inspired you to write this?
1: Um no, just sort of my love for science fiction, I guess you know um, this book's not uh, like Star Wars or Star Trek, but I always liked you know the creatures and the different worlds and things like that. And you know from childhood, I was always good had a very good imagination at you know creating big, elaborate wars or stories or something in my bedroom and and I don't think that's ever left me, so um it's it's enjoyable for me um I like doing it and so it's you know uh fun for me and when I have time to do that I like to read and write
0: is this all one book
1: uh this is all one book um I'm actually writing the uh sequel to it um now so so
0: how's the story go
1: Um, it's, it's post-apocalyptic, um, essentially there's, you know, a nuclear war, there's some fallout and there are survivors. They go to the bottom of canyons and things like that to try to survive. Um, the, the long short of it is basically they get abducted and taken out into space to, um, and, and thrust into a world of sort of the unknown and lots of different challenges and things like that.
0: So tell me about your characters.
1: Um, so, yeah, uh, the main character is an ex-Navy SEAL. Um, he's more um, like on the serious side. He's more, you know, mission driven, things like that. Um, his uh, somebody that he fell in love with at the bottom of the canyon. Um, she, she was uh, ex-Vegas <laughs> showgirl, um, but always aspired to be an MMA fighter. Um, and her dad, you know, when she was younger, was training her uh, to do that. Um, there's a former Olympic champion, um, and then an ex, uh, inmate (laughs) or former inmate and, um, a doctor. So, um, very different walks of life and they all come together, um, after they're abducted in space and sort of form this really unique, um, and weird bond and kind of just gets into, you know, um, people of differences having to work together, um,
0: how did the nuclear war happen do you get into that at all
1: um i don't really get too much into that it's more just more about the fallout of that and um i do mention that the united states is the one who kind of drives it to, to happen um but i don't i don't get into it much more beyond that um and i and i could in future books i don't know if i'm gonna just write the sequel i have other things um in the works that i kind of want to do um so i might come back to it later, later, you know,
0: when you retire later.
1: (laughs) Right? Yeah, I want to have a little bit more time to dedicate to it.
0: Are these the only people left on Earth that are still alive?
1: Um, No, there's other survivors um, in different uh, tribes or, or, you know, clans or whatever. Um, They, yeah, there's, there's more people, but it's, it's very scarce. Uh, Earth's desolate. It's, it's almost not livable. Um, and so, yeah, they they actually, uh, I don't want to give away any spoilers, but um, they, they wind up going back um, to Earth, and um, there's some things there.
0: So how do the aliens decide who they're going to take with them?
1: Um, that's described a little bit in the book, too. Uh, there's just something within these individuals that um, the aliens are drawn to. Um, mainly for selfish reasons. They're trying to um, enhance these human beings to um, serve them so that they can take advantage of, of things in their galaxies. So there's this whole conflict between alien species going on. Um, in different uh, universes, galaxies, not universes but galaxies. Sorry.
0: So there's something in each one of these people that they want to exploit to better wherever they are.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Uh,
0: can you give me an example of some of the conflicts that they face?
1: So, so the the main alien species um, were developed by the by the primary antagonist, um, and he left his planet. Um, because he wanted more power. He wanted to rule, um, you know, as many uh, species as he could. So he, there's these enhancement chairs um, that you can develop um, or that you can, um, that, that will enhance a species and make them more intelligent and uh, make them more powerful. So uh, the Selmex, which are the primary species on Noctu, which the, is the title of the book, Battle of Noctu, um, are enhanced, but they sort of rebel against this, uh, rogue general. Um, and he's, uh, he's sort of elvish looking. He's, uh, his skin's like pitch black. He's got like these witch-like hands. Um, and he's, he's really sinister and sly and and sneaky. Um, so anyway, he, he enhances the species, they rebel against him. So he goes back to, um, essentially he's, he's the one who has the humans. abducted they're enhanced too in a different way not through the chair Um, and so there's this huge conflict and war on not to
0: so is it literally a chair that you sit in
1: yeah it's sort of like this this chair it's got straps a little helmet and it just comes down and goes over their whatever species head and kind of just uh does something to them
0: and they they come out bigger stronger smarter
1: yeah, I'm primarily more like intelligent. I think is the is the enhancement. Um,
0: I think we could use that chair right now. <laughs> I think you're Don't right. Don't you? We yeah. could use that Absolutely. chair. Absolutely, definitely. Maybe we should take that chair somewhere where there there needs to be decisions made. Right. Yeah. You know. You know. Anywhere. Any.
1: anywhere. Yeah. Somewhere that might rhyme with Schmashington. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: You're funny. Is there a lesson to be learned here?
1: Yeah, I think think the moral is is essentially just um, people who normally would not work together um, are forced to come together. And they don't even think about their differences because there's so much going on. Um, you could kind of think back to big events here on Earth, like, you know, 9-11. I don't think anybody was. We were all Americans. There was no division like there is now in our country and it didn't matter what you know where what walk of life you came from it was just you know us against them and that's sort of the framework for this book it's it's them against um whoever they deem as, as the enemy
0: so there's no there's no time there's no room for judging there's no room yeah. for slinging dirt they have to work yeah. together I, they have to get it all oh together. I, I
1: forgot the other, the other character which is actually my comic relief in the book. He he's a, a motorcycle uh gang guy. Um his name's Jedrick. He's, you know, got the whole long hair and and the whole vibe. But he, you know, he's always throwing jabs at everybody when they're too serious, you know, like um if I could compare him to somebody, he's sort of the Han solo of this book. So he's just he's the guy who's always just kind of trying to keep it light. So they meet up with these other humans. Um, on Kepler, which is, which is a real planet. So I I like to incorporate some realistic elements to my books too. um, Even if they're fiction. Um,
0: Should I know that or do I need to go sit in a chair? um,
1: (laughs) You could Google it. Um, You know, NASA found it. I I don't recall when 10 years ago or so, but uh, yeah, um, you could throw it up on Wikipedia. It's, it's an earth-like planet. Um, They don't know if there's any life or anything like that on it, but in my book, there is. So um, yeah, so they go to this planet and there's these six others that are sort of like the mirror images, not exactly, but mirror images of these humans. Um, but there's this one guy that's really big and, you know, he, he throws jabs at him, calling him Humpty Dumpty and all this stuff. And, and there's a, there's a situation later on um, in the book where that particular character um, gets in some trouble and he's kind of thrust into some action, trying to help. And I'm not going to give away what happens to that character, but um, yeah. So So he's
0: the fun guy. He's the fun guy.
1: Yeah. But he does get serious when he needs to be. And, um, you know, he's, he's just there for comic relief mostly, but he's, I think he's my favorite character, but you know, I'll let other people judge who their favorite characters are.
0: Are any of these characters based on anybody you know?
1: Uh, absolutely nobody I know. <laughs> nobody absolutely know. not. I just not even yourself? No. There might be little bits and pieces of myself and, and some of these characters. I think that's the case with pretty much any character that any author writes. There's things that they are you know relating to or have seen or witnessed or whatever. Um, but I would say probably I maybe the humor in Jedrick. Maybe. But, um, for the most part, no, I mean, I can't really relate to the doctor. (laughs) Um, there's just, you know, certain characters that I really don't have much in common with.
0: So what happens now? Well, how are you feeling about talking about this? How are you feeling about promoting it from where you are?
1: Um, well, that's, that's sort of the trick of it. Um, I'm not really sure, um, which avenues to go. Obviously, I've, I've put out some advertising and it's done okay. But um, in terms of like going to, to do book signings and things like that, nothing like that's been uh, necessarily set up for me. Um, so,
0: I, you know, I mean, it sounds to me like you need the comic con crowd.
1: Yeah, yeah, potentially.
0: And, and there's, there's a whole community online of people who write this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've connected to, you know, Facebook groups and things like that. So, um, it's nice to find like-minded people on the internet and it'd be really nice to find some in person. So yeah, Comic-Con is,
0: well, are you sharing your book with these people on, on Facebook? Um,
1: Not, not particularly. Um, and it's just like time for me, obviously is, is sort of, uh, restricting me from doing as much as I'd like to. Um, so, yeah, I th- I think that um, I don't know how I break free of the engineering thing. I guess if if the book makes a trillion dollars at some point, then then, yeah, I could transition into doing that a little bit more.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. But you got to you got to get people have to know about it and yeah, finding sure. these like minded people. I'm just trying to think, like, how do you this is? Well, not, I mean, this sounds like an interesting book because in part, um Everybody's talking about aliens and right. is the government hiding them from us and we're I actually know, was... spending money. I mean, maybe that's the one thing everybody can agree on that there might be aliens. Right. So they have these hearings and people are testifying about how they've seen ships and blah, blah. You know, so I mean, there's a there's a certain level of interest there just among the, you know, regular public. But there's also people who just live and breathe this stuff the video gamers the you know sci-fi enthusiasts and there has to be those people exist in your right
1: yeah no they they do because
0: how about a comic book store isn't there a comic book store near you
1: yeah it's just not tradition it's not technically a comic book like the cover makes it look like that i kind of now wish i would have had like some artwork inside of the book (laughs) but um maybe in a second edition um, but yeah, you know, I was, I was getting my tire changed. You're totally right about that. I was getting my tire changed uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, and some kids started talking about this space video game and all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a published author. And, uh, this is my book and he seemed really interested in it, but you know, you're right about the video game thing and, and comics. I think that's sort of the, the avenue that, I should try to try to chase down.
0: Yeah, why not? Um, I mean, wherever, not nothing, it's funny because I talk to a lot of people who are like, well, you know, I want to go to New York and I want to go here. It's like you really, especially when you've got a job like you have, that's impossible. You have, you don't have any choice but to start where you are, you know, right. to go to the fairs. Yeah. I don't know what they do in Tennessee, but, you know, certain parts of America Uh, you know like in middle america there's a lot of fairs there's a lot of state fairs we have one (laughs) we
1: have one coming up and the state fair is actually in my town so up (laughs) see yeah they do a lot here um well since you don't have to
0: write anymore on the weekends you could set up your table maybe i don't know
1: yeah no that's that's a good idea there's a lot of bookstores um around here too I've, i've thought about going in and just kind of introducing myself seeing if they'll buy a few and throw them up on the shelf and promote me as a local author.
0: Yeah, and then there's also like the libraries where you can do an author talk and talk to people about how, you know, I I always, your process, I always wanted to be an author. This is how I managed to fit it in and, you know, organize my thoughts and blah, 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 blah. You know, just, just, yeah, you're a local author and, and doing a talk on that you know? Right. And your book yeah, is, yeah. you know, just, and here's what I produced. What would be your advice for, for somebody who, who really wants to publish a book?
1: Um, I would say just do it, you know, um, just, I, I can't, I, I as simple as that sounds, uh, it's just the truth. You just have to sit down, you just have to do it. You have to look for inspiration everywhere. Um, whether it's a movie, whether it's a book, whether it's walking down the street and you see a weird looking three-legged dog, I, I, you know, I, you just have to sit down and just do it. It's really that simple and there's no magic to it. There's no trick to it. Uh, Just putting in the action, um, obviously um, in my case was enough to get me published. So um, I think that anybody that wants to be a writer um, absolutely can. Um, Maybe I should rephrase that. (laughs) Um, I I think that anything that you want to put your mind to, you can do. And, you know, I have... Uh, a couple books uh, written fully, not edited. um, And I have this one published. So it's just a matter of, you know, getting those out there and, and putting in the work really.
0: Great. What a pleasure to meet you, Crane.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Likewise. All
0: right. I look forward to talking to you again.
1: Definitely. Thank you for your time. Take it easy.
0: Bye bye. (laughs) Did you ever wonder if your significant other had the opportunity to cheat would they take it? Janet L. Adams has just the background to explore the possibilities in her book entitled The Puzzle. Hey, Janet, how hot is it in Texas?
2: Oh, my gosh, we have had like four weeks of 100 plus weather.
0: Is that unusual?
2: It is. For us, we might have a couple days of having 100 degrees, but
0: not weeks. Weeks. Oh, my God. What do you do? Just go from air-conditioned car to air-conditioned house to air-conditioned job?
2: Well, actually, I'm retired, so um, I just have just been hibernating. I get out at 5 o'clock in the morning and get my walking done, and um, I'm home by 6, 6.15. And
0: wow. What did you used to do?
2: I, I was a school counselor.
0: Oh, that must have been interesting.
2: I loved it. I loved every minute of my job. Our clientele was wonderful. The, the parents were very supportive. It, it was the best job. I mean, I, I just felt like God laid that in my hands. And my principal and I worked well together. We were just such a good team. She let me have free reign of um, developing a, a character program, and I mean, it was just awesome.
0: So, when did you start writing? What What made you decide to write?
2: Well, I decided to write for a lot of different reasons. I mean, I kind of got sparked when I was like in seventh, eighth grade. I had an amazing teacher. Her name was Mrs. Dishinger. She she sparked it a little bit in me, but then it, I, it was like dormant for a long time, and I actually was in my 14th year of marriage and this idea popped into my head and
0: I thought man this would make such a great book just out of nowhere yeah (laughs) like were you concerned that maybe your husband was cheating or not at all because I
2: just know who he is but I mean, there was a lot. He works at a hospital, and there's a lot of Peyton Place stuff going on. And I knew that life existed and temptation. I mean, he'd come home and he'd say, "Oh, so and so made a pass at me today," or you know, "This happened," or, um, you know, "This is going on with here." And I thought, okay, but yeah, he's had several. Passes made at him over the years, and um, but I've I've never been concerned about him. I mean, I even okay. I did some supplemental work besides working at the school. I did some accounting work, and the people that I worked for, they were both divorced, and they said, "Oh, you're ignorant if you don't think your husband's cheating." And uh, I thought, okay, just because that happened in your life does not mean it's happening in everybody's life. What are you doing to keep your relationship thriving? I mean, in my mind, I was thinking that. So why didn't your relationship work? Are, are you not, you know, keeping your fire kindled? I mean, you have to do things to, to keep a relationship going. And to me, one of the best things that you can do is to like elevate your man. You have to make him feel like he's the most important person in your life, which he's supposed to be. And so that's, I thought, you know, so you probably fell short too if you're not keeping your relationship sparked. And I'm not saying in a sexual way even. I'm I'm saying just your spouse needs to know that they're, Important in your life and number
0: one, besides God. So, good point. I just because because everybody automatically thinks it's sex. Yeah, it's got to be about sex. But it's about are you coming home and talking to each other? Are you putting your job first? Are you more interested in what's going on at work than you are in what's going on at home? And
2: I mean, even from like when when we first had our first child. And she was like two and she'd hear that his vehicle pull in the driveway and the joy on her face. Oh, daddy's home. Daddy home. Daddy home. And just that. And then when he'd come home and she would run to him like, I'm so glad you're here. I mean, just made him feel so important. But the spouse needs to do that as well. I mean, not just. Wife to husband, but husband to wife. In in the book, the wife, she starts out just thinking, oh, everything's just so mundane. My routine is just, you know, all I do is wash dishes and clean the house and do laundry. And, you know, I'm just so not getting fulfilled with this. And so she devises this um, plan to... Spice up her life. And one thing she does in that plan is she concentrates on her husband. But then it backfires <laughs> because she ends up writing just these short little um,
0: enticement
2: letters to her husband anonymously.
0: To see what he would do? Well, yes. Does he tell her that he's getting these letters?
2: originally i mean when it first starts he does but then he stops oh and so she is she wonders is he seeking out who this person is is he curious is is he developing feelings is he like inquisitive on who this is and and so now he's doing some problem solving and you know And has he developed a relationship then with someone else? But yet she's the one that started it all. So she's like, you know, I'm stuck here. I have to follow this through. So she follows it through.
0: Okay. So is she prepared? I mean, is she prepared for the possibility that he might be interested in having an affair?
2: There's, there's some conflicts going on. I bet. There's a, a lot of conflicts going on. But originally, so she, she has some pictures taken of herself and she has it transposed onto a puzzle. And so as she writes each one of these little uh, l- secret admirer letters, she includes a couple pieces of the puzzle, which is a picture of her. So then he receives those. But originally she sits down and she comes up with a whole plan. She wants to concentrate on all of his good character traits. And so she lays it all out on what she's going to cover. But in that process, she really realizes what an amazing man she has. So her concentration, her focus has changed. And now rather than looking at all the negatives, you know, the mundane routines and stuff, she's concentrating on the positives. Which is one thing I I really wanted to get through in the book is that you need to cherish your relationships. You need to look for those positives. And you need to change your focus if you're not doing that.
0: Do you think sometimes people don't even realize that you get so wrapped up in life and your kids and your job. You don't even realize you're losing focus.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And as a school counselor, you know, that's what I constantly had to do was to get out those irrational thoughts and to plug in the rational thoughts. And we have to do that in all relationships. And in all phases of our life, if you're always concentrating on the negatives, you're going to be miserable. I mean, and you can take the smallest little thing that's happening and make it so major that you can't function. I mean, just think about your body. If you had a splinter, look how tiny that splinter is. But if you just keep concentrating on that, then you can't function until. You know you mend that, even though it's so small. Well, the same thing happens in relationships. if If you're just constantly thinking of the smallest thing but making it so major, your your relationship's gonna be measurable. Constant flip, flip it, change it.
0: What's the biggest obstacle? Is it insecurity? Is it lack of self-esteem? I mean, what 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 prevents it? What what brings you to the point where it's just easier to wallow in the mud, roll around in it? You know what I mean? Smother yourself in there. And just be down. Just is it just easier to do that sometimes than it is to say, look, you know, I'm not going to let myself go there there's, it's
2: not like really one thing, it's, it's your mindset. You just have to have that mindset that I'm not going to be negative. It, our whole environment right now is that way. We're making everybody a victim in this, in our country. Everybody is a victim. And you have to change that and not be a victim, but be a victor. You, you, you have to decide, I'm, I'm not going to be a victim. But it's my control. Every thought is your control. Every choice is your control. And when, when you realize that you do have control over that, then, I mean, even so far as health issues, we do have control over a lot of our health issues. I mean, what are we putting in our body? We're just putting in so many poisons in our, in our system. But it's, it's a choice. Yeah, we all make bad choices, and we all do things that we shouldn't do. But it's ultimately your choice. So you have to have control of your choice and realize that. Your choice in your relationship, your choice in your life, your choice in your job.
0: You must have been a great counselor. Oh, you're so sweet. I, I, like I said, I loved my job. I loved every minute of that. So in this book, do you wind it up, or is it a cliffhanger? I mean, I could have put, it's a
2: short, easy read. Okay. There's so much more I could have put into it. I think it would make a great Hallmark movie. Because most Hallmark movies are singles meeting, falling in love. But this is not. This is definitely a married couple, which I think is not valued in today's society. What,
0: married couples,
2: yes. Married couples are
0: not valued,
2: right? What do
0: you mean by that?
2: Okay, I'm just thinking of different situations. But so many people that I, I mean, I'm I'm very blessed that our children met and fell in love, got married, and started their life together. Too many people meet, decide they're going to live together. And then maybe down the road, might get married or it fizzles out. So where was their focus? And I truly believe that we need to put God's plan first. And and God cherishes uh, marriage. And that's what I wanted. I I wanted us to get back to those values that
0: we're supposed to have. I am dumbfounded i don't know i don't know what values we have anymore like i don't know what's going on <laughs> you know? I, know I know i mean i i can't think- believe where we are right now uh, i i exactly. can't Exactly. you
2: know if if the family is destroyed that's that's your core for all relationships is a family so if you destroy the family and the family starts with a marriage so you have to value marriage and what marriage is supposed to be. Marriage was not meant to be temporal. It, it it was meant to be a lifelong. And I know there are situations that happen. Don't get me wrong. I do know that there are some very unfaithful people in this world, and and those are justified.
0: Yeah, but do you forgive them? Do you try to do you try to work that out? Do you try to understand why they were unfaithful? I
2: can only tell you my, my opinion on this, but I do believe that you should forgive. I mean, Christ forgave us, so I believe in forgiveness, but you don't forget. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to forget and then go into another situation where it happens again. I'm going to remember that, and I think everybody should remember that, but you can forgive that person.
0: But can you continue with that person? Can you keep for the sake of your family, keep it together and try to find your way through it?
2: And I think that that's something that every individual has to decide. I mean, I can't make that judgment for somebody else. Again, it's that choice. What choices are you going to make?
0: What are you going to do next? Everybody, I'm sure, knows that you were a counselor and you've now written a book. See, I really don't know what to do to promote my book. I mean, just. Well, I mean, I don't know what you're, what, you know, where you are at in your community because th- this is the question that I get all the time. It's, I've never written a book, but I can tell you that people that have been successful, or at the very least made back their investment, start where they are. I mean, I've had people say to me, I don't know what to do. I'm not really good in front of people. You know, it's like, okay, well, how about social media? You want to go that route, but you, you sound like you would be very comfortable in front of, you know, obviously you're a very religious person. I know my mom in her church, they have a book club and they read all kinds of books. This is a great book for a book club. It's great discussion. I mean, this would inspire a lot of discussion, don't you think? I really
2: would, would hope it would. One of the doctors in, in town, um, my entire family works at the hospital. So uh, we're all kind of, kind of connected there. But one of the doctors told my daughter that he loved the book. And he is in a married relationship and has been for years and he said I loved it so much I went out and bought more to give his gifts (laughs) so that's great he said would your mom sign those for me (laughs) so I thought well that that kind of made me feel better you know that it, it was not just a woman that was appreciating the story well, because it is a romance. and
0: But a well-written book is a well-written book. And, you know, if he enjoyed it and he thinks other people will enjoy it, that should tell you that you must have something there. And it's just a matter of going out and talking about it um, when it's not 100 degrees. You know, go out early in the morning. or I don't know if you have groups, you know, couples groups. I don't know how that works. I don't know. But you're probably plugged in somewhere and you don't even realize it. You could do an author talk at a local library. I was just talking about that earlier. I actually
2: have a couple author talks um, scheduled for my first book that I wrote. It was actually a children's
0: book. Right. So you're already plugged into the schools. Where are you plugged in as far as what do you do? Are there any adult groups that you're involved with?
2: I really haven't been because the last two years I've kept my my grandson, but he started pre-K this year, so
0: yeah, uh,
2: I, I feel like I, I can open up into so many different areas now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can see you reading passages out of your book and wherever you're set, I mean, you can't compare the author talks you're doing for elementary schools to this book. This is definitely an adult book. But it seems to me a, there's a lot of book clubs out there. Okay. There's, yeah. there's state fairs, people go to state fairs, and we don't have a lot of state fairs here in New Jersey. But it, it seems like in middle America, there's a lot of state fairs. And people are like, yeah, I went to the state fair and I set up a booth and I, I did sign into
2: a book club. Um, I just feel like I just now can do that since my I'm not keeping my grand babe. But um. It's it's a local book club. It's it's down at at it, we we have a bookstore downtown that's kind of very vibey, you know. <laughs> so um, they usually have those meetings down there.
0: So you could do an author talk at your at that bookstore. Yeah, and people know you, right?
2: Oh, I I think so. I mean, I probably had at out of our. I'm, there's no telling our. Student population was six hundred um, every every year. So the all that all those parents, I'm, you know, and I did that for over thirty years. So
0: there you go. Is there a local paper that people read, either online or yes, actually read? You're you're definitely you know you're a local author now. You're definitely worth a story. I think I'm going to submit something to the paper and see uh, an excerpt or something. Yeah. This is good. I mean, cause who doesn't have a relationship problem who isn't struggling? Yeah. Who isn't wondering, you know, not, even the best marriages it, have their moments. And, and truthfully my marriage has been so easy. I've been married for
2: 42 years and my relationship is very easy. <laughs> I, I we've had two disagreements in, all, in our forty two years and both oh, were about the same thing and they were like early on in our marriage.
0: You are so lucky. He's he's easy.
2: He's a hard worker, he's a good provider. He thinks of others. So I mean, my my marriage has been so easy. We set goals together. We worked on those goals.
0: That's great. Good for you.
2: And, and like I said, I, I think too often we just focus on the negative. And if you just shift to focusing on the positive, which is what she does by writing the secret admirer letters,
0: then it changes her focus, which changes attitude well Janet it sure was nice talking to you
2: well it's been nice talking to you
0: First of all, talking to an adult is always wonderful talking to an adult I wouldn't go that far but thank you <laughs> uh, <laughs> ah, listen you have a great day likewise and all right I, thanks for taking the time summer's good thanks all right you too bye-bye bye-bye